0: very good morning to all of you, brothers and sisters in Christ. I feel so young when I come into this church, you know, right? I thought uh, I would never regain my youthful days uh, moments again, you know, all right? I'm already 64, probably more than double your age, all right? But what a joy to be here with all of you, you know, all right? Now, firstly, I'd like to thank your Pastor Ryan and his beloved wife, Brenda, for inviting me to share the word of God with all of you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we truly want to thank you for your presence here in our midst. Thank you for ministering to us, even through the worship, Lord, that we have. Thank you for the worship team, whose heart is so inclined to you, Lord, even as they have led us in this worship. We know deep in our hearts You have ministered to us, even as we have ministered to you uh, through the worship, Lord. So even as I share your word, I truly pray that there's nothing about me, but it's all about Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, you are the head of this church, and you will come in your sovereignty and uh, minister to all of us. Build us up, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to uh, first establish the background of what I'm sharing. Now, firstly, we know that we are all living in the last of the last days, right? There are four things that as believers of Jesus Christ, we need to uh, place it before our very life. Firstly, we need to prepare ourselves for the great shaking, whereby all of us, our life, as a believer of Jesus Christ, will be tested, you know, right? Our faith in Christ Jesus will be tested, right? And in that testing, we trust that all of us will overcome, you know. All yeah. right. So the second thing we need to place before ourselves is that we must prepare for revival, yeah. right? Because out of this great shaking, where God is shaking the heavens and the earth, is actually bringing all mankind to our knees, you know. All right? so that our hearts, the hearts of the non-believers, their heart will be open to the Lord you know all right and we, the overcomers you know not those that go under you know, but the overcomers will spearhead revival you know? will move with what God is doing to, will bring the gospel of God's kingdom to the ends of the earth you know? and then Christ will return you know all right and the third thing we need to prepare ourselves for is for the second coming back of Christ, right? Now, all of you are so young here. You no, know? there's a possibility that all of you may, may. Now, I'm not here to predict times and date. We are not allowed to do that. But there's a possibility that Christ will come back in your lifetime. You know, all right? You are so young. You no, know? right? so there's a possibility. You know, prepare yourself for the second coming back of Jesus Christ. Right? Don't get into this feeling that wow when Christ comes back we are all gonna wow lift up our heads and feel great, you know. Right? But the second coming back of Jesus Christ is a frightening event, you know? right? Whereby every knee is gonna bow, you know? every tongue is gonna to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you know. Right? It's a frightening time, you know. Right for those who live in defeat but it's also a time of great rejoicing for those who have been preparing our hearts for. You know? Now, the last thing we need to prepare ourselves is after the second coming back of Jesus Christ, it's the judgment seat of Christ, of which all of you here have to give an account of your life to God, you know? In other words, everything that you do now, everything that you do ahead, does matter on the day of that judgment, you know? And whereby the final verdict of Christ will be given, no? Right? Will we be welcomed into His eternal dwelling? Or will we be cast into hell, no? It's a scary thing, you know? right? And I trust that as we live in this such dangerous time, we place these four things before us. You know? For the trials, the testing, for revival, for the second coming back of Jesus Christ, and... What the judgment seat of Christ, you know. Now this is serious, you know. Right? We are living uh, in the last of the last days, you know. Jesus Christ, like the Bible says, will not contend with mankind forever. You know, right? The redemption plan for God, for the nations of this world, is coming to a closure. You know? He will not contend with mankind forever. You know? There has to be a closure to His redemption purposes, you know. So we need to prepare ourselves, right? And in these last days, everything that will be shaken will be shaken. Therefore, it is vital that even in your day-to-day living, in your career, in everything that you are, in your marriage life, your family life, your personal life, your local church life, everything must, we must align our life back to God. I like your worship team, especially the last two songs that you have sung. We have all sung together. Alright? So, and God is like giving everyone a last chance to respond to His salvation no? through all this great shaking. No? Because the Word of God is clear. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, you know. No one comes to God the Father except through Him. No? Right? So brothers and sisters, one more time, God is shaking the heavens and the earth. No? And only those that stand Those that stand will remain, you know, right? So therefore, it is vital that in these last days, we must seek after the things that cannot be shaken, you know, right? We have to place our life before Him, you know, all right? You look at the nations of the world, everything is being shaken, you know, from the pandemic to the calamities to to lawlessness that is over. Everything you know, right? You are a young people have, so very savvy towards internet, you will have a lot of update. You know, right? And you can see that God is fulfilling what He's saying. You know? He's shaking the heavens and the earth. You know, right? And we know in this shaking, many people are affected. We ever dream you know, that through this pandemic that God will use this pandemic right, to shake the entire world. You
1: know,
0: right? Some viruses that are invincible. Right? that can shake the entire world. You know? And you know all the details, what has happened. You know? And what is scary is, God has used it to shake the church of Jesus Christ. You know? right? Would you ever dream that, or it will ever happen in your lifetime, you know, that all the churches in the world is under lockdown you know, for a season? You know? right? That we can't even have our physical service. You know, With all our celebration, our high praise and whatever, comes to an end, you know? Right? Comes to a stop for that season. Thank God we are back here again, you know? Right. So God is doing something soaring, you know? And we trust that God will open up our eyes and see what He's doing, you know? Right, And there is that urgency, you know? Right? There's an urgency to ensure that we get our lives in order with God, you know? Right? So the body of Christ has been shaken over the past two and a half years, right? And God is using this to judge His church, you know. To chastise His church, you know. Exposing the sin that is in your life and my life, you know. Exposing the sin in our families, you know. Exposing the sin in local churches, you know. And you know that the last couple of months, there are so many churches, mega churches, you know. In other countries and and everywhere you know God is exposing what is in his church you know because remember he's the head of the church you know right we pastors are only under shepherds you know but truly Jesus Christ is the head of the church he's going to he's judging his church and he is purifying his church you know right and uh, he's he's purging us of all of what you know is purging you and I of all our unrighteousness, you know? our self righteousness, our wrong motives, and even the secret sins in our life, you know, right? Because our God is holy, you know, right, and He must intervene. You know? He must intervene, right? So this morning, allow me to challenge you. If I take a little bit more time, please bear with me, you know. All right. Now our lies, right? It's come a stage that our lies, what you and I believe in. What we hold on to, right. our treasure, our wealth, our business, our career, our dreams, our hope, and even our ministries and even our faith in God has been tested, you know, and has been shaken, you know, right? And this shaking has come our way, and God is using it to purify His church, you know. Right? And I believe, you know, right? You're going to see more and more clearly. That within every local church, uh, God Himself is going to throw down the plumb line, you know. He's going to divide his church, you know. Right? That plumb line of holiness will come down, you know, right? And those that are of God and those not of God, there will be a clear distinction, you know, Within the body of Christ, you know. Don't talk about the nation yet, you know? Right. It's coming. Right? Who is of God and who is not of God? You know? And many Christians during this shaking that will take place, they were far away. That's why you find that so many Christians today are depressed, you know, or oppressed, you know, right. And many are struggling with their faith with the Lord, right. And many has given up their faith in Jesus Christ, you know, right. And those that remain, those that remain faithful, strong are the overcomers, and they are the remnants, you know. The sad truth is that according to the Word of God, that in these last days, uh, right, only the remnants will make it. You know, right? That's why I hear what I have to say. You know. This is serious. You know, right? Only the remnants will make it. And who are the remnants? The remnants are the people who know the heart of God, who has the originality you know, of the heart of God in them. You know. They know and they know the purposes of God. What God is doing in these last days. And in their career, in their profession, in their marriage life, they know that what God is after. They have the originality of the heart of God. And they will overcome whatever is coming their way. So brothers and sisters, we are living both in dangerous times and also exciting times. And may I humbly challenge all of you we must redefine our relationship with Jesus Christ right is he really the lord of your life you know right. yes god is our savior he's our god but my question is he the lord of your life you know because god wants to be the lord of our lives you know why so that he could do great things in us and through us you know right so this morning uh, allow me you know, to help myself and help you to understand you know, many times the way we live our lives. And especially in this modern Christianity, you know. Right? Our usual Christian uh, lives, we may not live an overcoming life. You know? In other words, all of our coming to church, you know. Yes, we have wonderful experiences. You know? We have powerful personal testimonies of how God has blessed us, you know. Right? our giving of our finances, our serving, our sacrifices, may I humbly say it's not enough to make us an overcomer. You know? right? We must confront what God is after in your heart and my heart. You know? We must confront the dark side of our lives, you know, the secret things of our hearts, you know. Right, in our lives, in our family, in our churches, you know. If not, no matter what we do with all the wonderful church programs, right, the scary reality is the presence of God may not necess- necessarily be there. You know? right. For example, you look at the Old Testament Israelites. You, know? you read the Israelites, they, they were in bondage in Egypt, you know? how God delivered them. You know? Now these Israelites, they know God as their only one and true God. You know? Right. They have experienced genuine miracles, signs, wonders, you know. They have seen how the templates has affected the Egyptians, but they are spared from it, you know. They have gone through the Red Sea. Imagine walking through the Red Sea, you know. You go to Port Distan, the sea, open up and you walk through it, you know. Imagine that, you know, right. It's such an awesome thing, you know. An awesome experience, you know. And in the desert, they have tasted the heavenly manna. They have seen how God protected them, how God delivered them, you know. Right? And they are all happy to know this one and true living God. But interestingly, you know, the day, the moment God sent His law, you know, the laws of God was given to them, inscribed by the fingers of God, right? they start to react, you know. They start to react, right. They have God, you No. Know. Now they have God. They have tasted of the one and true God, and they also have the Word of God, you know, the Law of God, you know, right? But they reacted to the Law of God. You know. Why? You know? Because they never allow God to change their hearts. You know, right? They never allow God to change their lives. You know. They were still living in their sin. They were still idolaters. They were still adulterers, right? They were still murmurers, they were still grumblers, they were still finders. you know. And all their experiences with God, all that they know about God, did not change their heart. You know? Did not change their heart. You know? And they still did like what, uh, uh, what uh, Paul said, they still did evil in the eyes of God. You know? right. And it broke the heart of God. Remember, God is broken, you know. His heart is broken over His church today, you know. In our, especially in our modern churches. God's heart is broken, you know, right? God could do great things for them, you know. But God could not do great things in them and through them, you know. Right? In their lives, God could not transform their lives, you know. Right? And finally, God's judgment came upon them. You know the story, you know how they all died in the desert, no? except for the younger generation. Right? They died like carcasses. You know? you know what's a carcass, right? It's a dead animal left to rot in the desert, all the flesh are gone, all you see is skeletons of the animal. No? And imagine God uses the illustration of a carcass to His children, no? It's children who are blessed, who has prospered, who has been delivered by God, but they never change their life, you know. They never come to a place where what God wants in them is to bring that transformation in their life. And they end up like dead animals, you know, all across the desert. Think about it, you know. All right. This is serious, right? Now, look at the New Testament Jews. You know? They all knew Jesus Christ. Look at the 12 disciples and many others who were with Jesus Christ, you know. And Jesus Christ is their best pastor, you You can never find a better pastor than than Jesus Christ himself, you know. right, And these twelve disciples and many of them, they experience the miracles, the signs, the wonders by Christ, you know. And all these miracles, signs, and wonders, they are genuine, you know. They are authentic, you know. And they themselves also experience and perform signs and wonders in the name of Christ, you know. They were taught the Word of God. They were taught the Beatitudes, you know. In other words, they have Jesus and they also have the Word, you no? Know? Right. But again, they never allow God to transform the issues of their heart. You know? So this morning, allow me to challenge your heart. I'm not talking about ministries today, you know. Right. Let our ministries within each local church continue, you know? right. Praise God for that. The worship ministry and every other ministry, praise God, continue with it, you know. But this morning, I want to challenge your heart. And these people never, these child disciples, never allow God to change their life. The issue of covetousness, the issue of pride, presumption, worldliness are still in their their, their lives, in their sin. And when the real testing came, when the trials come, what happened? They all deserted Jesus Christ. Imagine they are with Jesus Christ. When the real heat comes, you know, brothers and sisters, the real heat is going to come to the church of Jesus Christ. And he came, what did the twelve disciples do? They all run for their life, you know, right? After declaring how awesome God is, you know, (laughs) Peter seeing the transfiguration and Peter walking on the water. And yet, he denied Jesus Christ three times, you know. And worse, he denied under a servant girl, you know, a tiny servant girl. Say, "Hey, you are with Jesus." And before a young girl, you no, know, he denied Jesus Christ. You know? Think about it, you know? a man who has tasted of the power of God. You know? Right? Look at Judas, you know. Right? He betrayed Jesus Christ. We know the story. He betrayed Jesus Christ for what? For thirty pieces of silver, you know, after experiencing everything with Christ, you know, right? Why? Because in his heart, nah, he never dealt with the greed, the covetousness in his heart. You know? right? He tasted the power and the authority and everything that we all, modern churches, especially charismatic churches like ours, you know, we like to talk about power, authority, you know, but we seldom want to address what is in our heart. You know? So what happened? Right? Finally, the worst part is he betrayed Jesus Christ with a kiss of affection. You know? Wow, you're going to kiss Jesus, you know? <laughs> the kiss of affection. See how evil your heart and my heart can be, you know, if we don't transform our lives. You know. So at the end, right? He couldn't tahan, you know. He threw back. Suddenly he realised, you know. Wow, he has done the wrong thing, you know. He threw back the thirty pieces of silver, and what did he do? He go and he hang himself. He committed suicide, you know. Amen of God in our modern eyes, you know. A man of God, you know, committed suicide. A man who has tasted of the goodness of God, the power of God, you know. So today, many of us Christians, we also know so much about Christ, you know. Who has experienced His love, His goodness, His favour, His protection, miracles, grace, mercy, right? And we all have wonderful testimonies to testify, you know. We have moved in prophecy. We have moved in healings. We have moved in deliverance. We have done many good works, you know. We have helped the poor, the needy. We have gone for mission, you know. We know of the, we know the Word of God. We give our finances, you know. And all, many people are blessed because of us. And I commend you all for that. Continue with it, you know. Right, But yet, deep within, if you and I are honest with ourselves, we know there are a lot of Christians today are struggling with sin in our life, you know. Right. With issues of, in our lives, in our family, even in our churches, you know. Sexual sin, you know? Lust, covetousness, you know? Addiction to pornography, worldliness, you know, carnality, pleasure-shaking, unforgiveness, you know. Right. This is rampant in the church, you know, right. In the midst of our celebration, all these things are going on, you know. And God knows He wants to confront it. He's confronting us to ask us to give it up. And many of us know God is confronting us. But yet, we refuse to give up. Many Christians are convicted today, but we are not willing to change. We know it's wrong, but we are not willing to change. And the conditions of our heart remain unchanged. You know? Sinful and still in our sinful lifestyles. You know, right? That's why today, right? you look at our modern churches, we could do great things and powerful things for God, you know, but we can't live powerfully for God. Right? In all of our doings, we, we don't experience the reality of God's presence in our lives. You know, right? And in all of our doings, we find that God's presence is not there with us. You know? right. So God is shaking His church. He will continue to do so. He will continue to shake you and I. Why? Because He loves you. you know? right. It's not a negative thing. You know? He loves you. you know? right. To reveal to us the condition of our hearts to lead us to repentance, you know? to restore us in that repentance, to revive us, to change us into His image, His nature, His character. And we must respond to His chastisement. No? Right? So that finally, you know, the transformative work of God be evident in our heart. No? To a point, uh, right? we have a resemblance of the nature and the character of Christ in us. You know? In the last days, when all the different people groups, they look at your life, what do they see? They see Christ in you, and they will give their life to Jesus Christ. You know that kind of revival we are talking about. No? Not our church programs. You know there is a place for it, right? Not our church activities. Yes, there is a place for it. You know? It's about God coming back to your life and my life. You know. So we must go beyond our usual Christian lifestyle. No? We need the life of Christ in us. We need the resurrection power. The resurrection. Power of Christ in us, you know, right? Jesus didn't go to the cross just to bless us, you know, just to prosper us, just to give us His Holy Spirit gifts, you know, just to make us happy, you know, right? If if Jesus has to do just all these things, He don't have to go to the cross, you know. He could have just given it to us anyway, you know, right? But He went to the cross. He died on the cross to give us His life, you know, His resurrected life, you know. resurrected Holy Spirit in us, you know. So we need above all the, our doings, our testimonies, our giving, right, to ask God to come into our lives. We need His presence. Right? Without His presence, may I humbly use this word, we are finished. Right? When He comes into our life, we will naturally thirst and hunger for God. Right? Why is it today, so many Christians doesn't have the thirst doesn't have the holy desperation in them, you know. That I want more of God. I want more of His life in me, you know. So we don't thirst and hunger for Him. You know? Could it be because His life is not in us, you know? right. His life is not in us, you know? right. And there's no con- when God's life is not in us, there's no contentment, you know. We want more and more, right? of this world. And millions of Christians worldwide are trapped in this area. You know? right? We don't thirst and hunger for Christ. Because Christ said, when you thirst and hungry for Him, He will fill us up. You know? right? We don't thirst. Therefore, we thirst for the things of this world. You know? God's presence is critical for our spiritual survival. We need Him dwelling in us, in our families, in our churches. You know. To change and transform us into his image, to walk holy and blameless in him. No? So that at the end we will be true representative of Jesus Christ. You know? We no more just bear our personal testimonies, you know? Our life will bear the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know? Wow. It's exciting, you know? Right? So this morning I want to share uh, some thoughts from the old testament you know, about what we can learn, especially for us modern-day uh, churches, you know, about the ark of God and God's presence. You know. right. Now, we know that the ark is a chest that is made of acacia wood, you know, a box, you know, overlaid with pure gold, <clears throat> represent the presence of God. You know. It's a symbol of God's presence in the temple of God. You know. Now, to the Israelites then, uh, all right, where the ark is, the presence of God is there. You know alright? They knew the ark represent the presence of God, you know? right? And in the dark days of, of the book of Judges, you know, God raised up Judges. We know the story, right? God raised up Judges to warn His children, the Israelites, you know, again, they know they are one and true living God, you know? right? And not to take God for granted, to turn away from their sinful lifestyles. You know? But they were stubborn, they were stiff-necked, they refused to change, to amend their way, and they was, at the same time, they were still doing their religious duties, you know. Right? Their religious duties, the ceremonies, the sacrifices, and the giving, you know. Right? And they, were, they go on carrying the ark, you know, thinking that the presence of God is with them as long as they carry the ark. Right? But they did not realise that actually God's presence have left the ark, and they have the ark, but the presence of God is not more there. You know? Now, many Christians, right, many churches, they include our own local church, you know, right? We have the ark, you know, right? We have the symbol, we have the forms, you know. But many do not realise that His presence has left us, you know, because of our unholy and our sinful lifestyle. You know? God's presence will not come to our families, to our churches, until the conditions of our hearts are made right. You know, right? God is holy, you know, and He demands holiness from all of us. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, let's go through the events, what happened. You know, right? And we trust that God will continue to encourage us. You know. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, <clears throat> and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. You know? So, during the time of Eli, Eli is a priest, you know, right? the under-shepherd of the temple. You know, right? The presence of God already left him you know, as a priest. You know, right? Left the Israelites. Because why? Because of their sin. You know, right? And whenever the presence of God is not there, the word of God is rare. You know? The word of God Becomes dull to us, you know. Right? And there's not many revelations and visions of him, you know. Right? So when the presence of God is not with us, you and I will find it difficult to understand the word. You know? We find it difficult to pray, you know. Right? You realize that a lot of our prayer mini- meetings, only 10-20% turn up. You know? And I trust that this coming Wednesday, all of you will be here, you know? And Pastor Ryan will say, Amen. You know? <laughs> Why? Why do we struggle to come and pray? We know prayer is powerful, right? Okay. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2 to 3, and it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, he's going blind, you know. And before the Lamb of God went out in the tabernacle where the ark of God was, you know. till so the ark of God was with, still with Eli, you know. And while Samuel was lying down. Right? He's lying down. No? Right? So here, the ark of God is lying in the temple of God. No? In today's term, in the house of God. No? Right? And also beside Eli, the high priest, you know, right, that has backslidden. No? Right? Now Eli, as we read on, Eli has two sons. And they're also priests themselves. You know? But they are wicked men, you know. They have no regards for God. They treat the Lord's offering with contempt. They committed adultery with the women who served at the entrance to the temple, you know. Blatant, you know, right. They are priests, you know. In other words, they are like pastors, you know. Right? So Eli and the two sons are priests. They are supposed to be shepherds, to shepherd the Israelites, to lead them to God, you know. Our role as under shepherd is to lead people to God, you know. Right? to God, you know? to teach them the mind, the heart, the will, the purposes and the ways of God. You know? But like priests, like the, the Israelites, the people, they all have sinned against God. You know? right? And worse, they still assume that God's presence is with them because the ark is there. You know? right? So many of us think that by our coming to church, now please, next week, still you come, you know, alright? We think that by our coming to church, our worship, our holding to on to some forms, God will be with us, you know. Right. But we continue in our sinful lifestyles. You know. Pastors, leaders, members, many are living in abominable lifestyles. You, know. you know recently some of these big churches overseas, you know. Right. I won't name them, you would have read it, you know. Right? Some of these pastors who Pastor churches that run into thousands and thousands of people, right, they've fallen into sexual immorality. Right? Would you ever dream why God allow it? You, know? you would think that God will have special favour on them you know, right? because they have pastored His church, you know, thousands and thousands of members. You know? But remember, God is holy. You know? God will not compromise. So what if I'm a pastor? You know? God will not compromise with me. You know? If he has to, if I refuse to repent, if he has to chastise me, he will do it. You know? If I in the dark, if I don't overcome it, you know, and repent of my sin, you no, know, God will make it public, you know. And will shame us, you know, as pastors, you know. So, Ryan, you and I got to get on our knees all the time, you know. This is serious, you know. In first Samuel chapter four, verse one to two, let's go on and quickly, you know. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Abhek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle, arrayed against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. So here... The Israelites went to war with the Philippines, you know. Right? And every time they go to war, they're so confident they will win. You know, because the past record shows that God is always with them. The ark is always with them, you know, right? But this time round, right? In this battle, 4,000 soldiers was killed, you know, right? And the Israelites lost the battle. Right? And in 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 3 to 4. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel say, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? In other words, they knew it's a Lord, you know. They allow them to be defeated. Right? They ask that question, you know. Let us bring, right. So they ask the question, right. And instead of seeking God, they come up with a solution, you know. I tell you, we modern churches huh, are all very clever people, you know, right. We can sit down as a church board nah, and we can come up with so many creative ideas. You know? How to pastor the church. How to move the church forward. You know? right. And like what they are doing, you know. Right. So they did a post-mortem and they say, how come God allowed them to lose a battle? So again, they knew God allowed it, you know. Right. And then they came up with this brilliant idea. Let's bring the ark from Shiloh, you know. Alright, from Shiloh, so that he may go with us, Christ may go with us to save us from our enemies, you know. Right? And maybe we have lost the battle, it's because the ark was not there. You see, that's the idea, you know? And they meant, they sincerely meant meant it, you know. And these are all church board, you know, in our modern term, you know. <laughs> right? The elders, the pastors, the leaders gathering to talk about it, you know. All right. So what they do are doing, right? They are making use of the ark, you know? right? And they think that the ark will defend them. God's presence in the ark will fight to them, uh, fight for them, you no, know? right? So they brought in the ark, you know? right? They even have a even a greater idea, you no, know? right? And that greater idea is to bring Eli's two sons to bring the ark, you no? Know? The passers to bring, in. You know? Wow, very noble idea, you no? Know? Right? Bring the two passers. To come, you no? Know, right? Who are also priests to accompany the ark, you know. Really? What a noble idea. The ark and the priests to carry the ark, you no? Know, right? But look at first Samuel chapter 4, verse 5. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. You know? Wow, that means their shout must be so so powerful, you no? Know? So elated. So when the Eli's two sons arrived at the Israelite camp with the ark, all the Israelites raised such a loud shout that the whole earth shook. What was the shout about? It's a shout of hope. It's a shout of joy. It's a shout of confidence that the ark has arrived. God is here with us. We are going to win the battle. Our enemies will be defeated. And our Christianity today, modern Christianity again, you know, right? We have big gatherings, you know. We dance, we shout, we go into high praise, right? Now, I'm not against the worship team, you know, alright? I love all of you, all the worship, right? I better say this, say so, you know, right? If not after the service, you might stone me, you know, alright? You know, Don't worry, I'm not uh, implying you all, you no. Know? I trust you understand the context of what I'm saying, you know. This is serious, and worship team, listen to it, you know? They shout, you know. We shout, we proclaim with confidence that God is with us. You know how we all Christians gathering. God is with us. God is, wow, will win the battle for us. God is, God that, you know. And all our shouting, our proclamation of how God, how great God is, is just rhetoric. You know? Without the inward reality of what we are shouting about, you know? Because the presence of God is not there. It's scary. And in verse, first Samuel chapter 4, verse 6 to 9, with such shout, uh, Let's see what happened. You know, right? Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, the Philistine, the enemies heard it, you know, and they said, What does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrew mean? You know, right? Then they understood, you know, they knew, you know, that the ark of the Lord has come into the camp, you know. Right? They also know a bit about our God, you know. The enemy knows our God better than you and I know our God. You know? Right. They, they were frightened, no? So the Philistines were afraid, for they say, God has come into the camp, you know? and they say, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. You know? Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? You know? They heard the shout, they knew that the ark has come, they got frightened, you know. All right? And these are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. They know history, you know. All right? But yet at the same time, they say, Be strong. Conduct ourselves like men and you know, be men, you Philistines. You know, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews, so as as they have been to you. you know, conduct yourself like men and fight, you know, and fight. You know. right. So they pluck up their courage and they fight the Israelites. You know. And in the battle, let's see what happened. First Peter chapter four, verse ten and eleven. So the Philistine fought, you know, and Israel was defeated. You know. And every man fled to his tent. There was such, there was a very great slaughter. And there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers, you know. And the ark of God was captured, right? And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, died, you know. Wow, the ark captured, the two priests died, you know, were killed, you know. Alright. And it is better, the Philistines killed 30,000 foot soldiers, you know. In the ark, the Israel, as far as the ark is concerned, the, Israel, the Israelites were shocked. You know, right? They they had the they had the ark with them. They assumed God is with them, and yet they lost thirty thousand uh, soldiers. You know, in other words, they are actually better off without the ark. You know? without the ark, only four thousand died. You know? right? With the ark, thirty thousand died. You know? Right? It died. You know, they died. Right. So worse, the ark was captured. Eli, two sons, the priest was killed. No? And Eli, he heard about it, no? the high priest you know, right? heard about it. And he fell backward and he died also. No? The two sons died, the father died. Right? And one of the sons, the wife, gave birth you know, right? to a child. You know, right? And he called that son, he named that son Ichabod. You know? What a name to name your son, Ichabod, you know? which means the glory of God has departed and she died. You know. Such a t- tragedy, you know. And because of this fear swept across the whole nation of Israel, you know. right. Their priests died, their ark was captured and even, they think, even their God can be captured, you know. And God's presence left Israel. Now, brothers and sisters, the great days, the great frightening days are coming. You know, right? I wish I can have more time to talk about this. You know, it's coming our way. You know, Satan is waging an all-out war against the Church of Jesus Christ. You know, right? To drag us to hell with him. You know? So all that we are experiencing, that what you are seeing today, remember this. You know, like what Jesus said. It's the beginning of sorrow. You know? It's not the end of sorrow. In other words, words are coming. You know You think this COVID-19 is bad, you have yet to see the worst will come you know? Right. What to do, you know.? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the only way to survive, the only way to o- overcome or what is to come, what we have to face, the only safety for our lives is the safety of God's presence in our, our midst, you know? It's not how smart we are, we are, how rich we are, not how big we are, not how good our churches, church programs are, or our status, or even our ministries. You know, right? And it's not all about our shoutings and our proclamation. You know? It's really frightening what is happening within the body of Christ. You know? Christians today are still so worldly. So carnal, you know, so money-minded, so lustful, you know, so perverted, so pleasure-seeking, so sinful in our lifestyle, our behavior, that many Christians have got no more regard for God. You know, that He is holy, you know. So we hold on to the we hold on to the form, we hold on to the symbol of Christianity, we hold on to our church programs, you know, but we refuse to let God change our sinful ways. And still think and still assume that God is with us, you know. Like the Israelites, we come to church, you know. We sing, we dance, we shout, we proclaim, "God is with us," you know, right? I like the phrase you always say, "God is good," and all of us will shout all the time, you know, all the time, "God is good." You know. With you, the shaking comes to your life, you know. I pray that you will still be able to shout, "God is good," all the time, and all the time, "God is good." You know. I like the sister who conduct the offering just now, you know, right? You said, "Right, we can still rejoice in the Lord." So we assume that because we do all these things, God must be with us, you know. His presence is with us, you know. When trouble comes, He's there for us, He will deliver us, you know. We will be like the Israelites, deceived, you know. right. If God's presence is really with us, you know, let me assure you, if God's presence is really in your life, you, know, you and a lot of us will not struggle with worldliness, you know. Worldliness is increasing in churches every year. You know? right. We talk about adultery and all this, but we still don't want to talk about worldliness. You know? It's rampant in the Church of Jesus Christ. That distract us from the purposes of God. You know? right. We struggle with worldliness, with greed, and etc. etc. You know? right. If God's presence is really with us, let me assure you, we will overcome all this. You know? Not that it will be over, you know? but we will overcome it. You know? we know how to resist temptation. If God's presence is not in us, we will be defeated, we are finished. That's why today, you look at the churches today, Now, because I've been in the ministry for 32 years, the Lord has allowed me to see so many things that breaks my heart. A lot of children, uh, a lot of children, our children, uh, especially my generation, a lot of our children are under attack because we produce, we raise up a generation of my time. I don't know about you. Or some of you are very young, you know. My time, we raise up a lot of children, right? That are highly intelligent, you know, can achieve a lot of things, you know, but yet don't have the invulnerability of God in, in them. I remember of a pastor that told me that he was in in you know, a Western country, all right. He was ministering to a group of young adults, you know, in that, in that particular gathering. Yeah, more than a hundred of them, right? And he was talking about the holiness of God. And the presence of God came, you know, right? And suddenly he realised that. But before that, during the worship, they were all in high praise, you know, all jumping and seeing how awesome God is. But when the word of God went forth, they were weeping, they were crying. And they came, you know, after the service of the pastor. Pastor, help us, you know all of us here, most of us here, are so well-to-do. They are Malaysians, you know, by the way. We are, they are, all, we are all so well-to-do. We, we are all highly intelligent that even the government of that nation employs us and they pay us in their currency 20-30,000 a month, which is almost 100,000 a month in Malaysia. You know, right? And we are, we are young. They are young. You know? They are sought after. You know? We are highly intelligent. But pastor, a lot of us here are sexual perverts. You know. We know in our heart of heart it's wrong. We know it grieves the heart of God. But we still justify it away. You know. Pastor, help us. You know. Back home in Malaysia, you know, our parents, some of them are elders and leaders of the churches. They go around in their congregation boasting about how God is so good to their to their families, you know. My son, my daughter is doing so well and earns so much, you know, right? And they're so proud, you know, and they always say God is good, you know. But here, pastors, a lot of us are sexual perverts. Think about it now. The church, the children are under attack. So you have young children, train them in the ways of God. You have no other way, you know. Don't train them in the ways of the world, right? The peop- a lot of people like to say, we must train our children to be street wise, you know. What nonsense. Man. We train our children in the word of God. Right? So uh, our children are under attack. Our lives are under the attack. The church is under attack. You know? There's no victory all around us, you know, right? And the pandemic proves it, you know. The COVID-19, imagine during the COVID-19, the MCO, the authorities say we cannot start church. So we quite quiet all cannot start church, you know, right? We stay away. Now the church is open. Right? A lot of Christians are not coming back to church, you know. We self-impose ourselves now, you know? Right? Yeah. This is serious, you know. Right? So, there's no victory around us, you know? right? Yet, many are not returning to Christ. You know? We still justify our sin. We explain away our sinful lifestyle. You know? And we promote what we call the cheap grace, you know. Forgetting that the grace of God is to lead us to repentance so that He can empower us, you know? The grace of God is not a license for you and I to remain in our sinful lifestyle. God has called us to live holy and righteous before Him because He is holy. There's a demand of God upon your life and my life. He wants to set us apart to be holy before Him. There's a demand for it. We all demand from Christ a lot of things. God, I'm a child of God. I demand that you must bless me, you must prosper me. But have we ever given in to the demands of Christ? Be holy, for I'm holy, you know. Right. So, so the ark was there, all right? So the ark was in the hands of the Philistine. You remember they captured the ark, right? And the Philistines they celebrated, you no. Know? Wow, in their mind they say they, they can capture. At first they were frightened of the ark, right? Now they captured the ark. So in their mind they say we can even capture the God of Israel. In them. Himself, you know, right? And the ark was with them for seven months, right? And we know in the seven months a lot of things happened. You know, the ark was in the put in the Dagon's temple. You know, the Dagon's temple you have the Dagon idol that is huge, you know. And the ark is just a so-called tiny little box, you know, all right. And they put it beside Dagon's temple, you know, right? And the ark placed beside their Dagon. What happened? The next day when they came, they realised that the idol, that Dagon fell on his face on the ground before the Ark of God. The tiny box, you know. Don't play the fool with your holy God. Don't you and I dare to take God for granted. Don't you and I dare to take His holiness for granted. The Dagon that (laughs) bowed before the Ark, you know, so they put the idol back in its place. You know. The next day, they're fell on his face again. And this time the head and the hands also pitch out. Right? In other words, uh, God can never be captured. No demons can ever come against God. You know. right. And imagine if God is on our side, what is gonna to happen to us? You know. Right? God's judgment visited every city of the Philistines. There were devastations, diseases afflicted the young and the old. And many of them died, you know. Right? And there was a great panic among the Philistines. They are so frightened, they quickly returned the ark. You know, right? And returned the ark. And the ark was moved from Philistines to Beth Shemesh to Curate Jerim. You know? And it was placed in Abinadab's house and not even in the temple of God. They are even scared to bring back to the temple of God. Right. So in these last days, God wants to come into your lives, you know, our lives, our family, right? To live among us, to live in us and his presence with us on a moment-to-moment basis, on a day-to-day basis, you know. Right? But what must we do? What are some of the conditions? You know? Now, in first uh, now, what are the conditions? The first condition is, right? We must surrender our life, our hearts to God, our lives to Christ. We must seek His face. The end-time prophetic call of God is to return to God wholeheartedly. Imagine God Himself calling His church, His children, His own children, come back to Me. You know? Come back to Me. Return to Me wholeheartedly. You know? Right? In First Samuel chapter seven, verse one to two. Then the man of Kireh-Jerim came and took the Ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Aminadab on the hill and consecrated Eliza, his son, to keep the Ark of the Lord. Right? The Ark of the Lord. You know? So the Ark remained in Kireh-Jerim for how long? You no, know? For 20 years. You know? 20 years. You know? And as I say, it's in Abinadab's house and not even in the temple of God. Now it took 20 long years. You know? 20 years is a long time, you know, right? For the Israelites to finally come to their senses. And they started to mourn. They started to sought after the Lord, after His presence. Why? Because they could not contain or take the torment of the Philistines anymore. So again, today we don't mind doing many things for God. But we refuse to let Christ come into our lives. God can do great things outside us. You know? right. But God, in these last days, wants to come into your life and my life. You know? Will we be willing to surrender our life to God? You know? God knows right, it took Him you know, right, a long time to reach the deepest part of the Israelites' heart. You know? 20 years, you know. And God takes a long time to reach the deepest part of our hearts right to get our hearts to be in the right place with God Remember you know, Christ's uh, desire is only not only to bless us, to prosper us, to heal us, to hear our prayers. all these are easy for God so you know right. to come and dwell in us to govern us, to govern our life, is the hardest for God. And it breaks the heart of God. He can do so many things except to come into the hearts of His children and rule and reign in your life. And that's what God wants to do in this last day. Come into your life and rule your life, reign in your life, you know. He knows that there are things in our lives that need to be corrected. Our hearts are wicked continually, as Jeremiah said, you know, right? He wants to come and win us, you know. W-E-A-N. You know? He wants to come and win us to correct us, to purify us. You know? But most of the time, we resist him, you know. Right? We are convicted, we feel sorry, but we refuse to change. You know? So we end up as Christians, we rather serve Christ than to allow him to change us, you know. There are so many Christians today are serving Christ, you know. No issue, you know. And thank God for that. No, don't wrong me, huh? Uh, Pastor Ryan, don't wrong me, <laughs> All right? We must serve Christ, you know. But we choose the easy way, you know. Right? we rather serve Christ than to allow Him to change us. You know? And that's why we get into all kinds of forms, all kinds of method and management of the church, you know. But never seek after His presence. And we get into all kinds of distractions and idolatries. You know? And we serve God without His presence, you know. Right? And I am fully aware, 32 years in the ministry, I can pastor the church without the presence of God. You know? right? We are all clever enough, you know. Right? To attract people to come to the church, you know. Right. We, so here it displayed that God was patient. You know? It wasn't the Israelites waiting for God, you know? but God waiting for them 20 long years. You know? That finally they begin to mourn and sought after the Lord. You know? Were well, you and I you know, mourn and sought after the Lord? Will we ask God put a holy desperation in us that we want more and more of Him in us? You know? Right. So in verse uh, 1 Samuel chapter seven verse three to four, right. Then Samuel, when they were mourning and they were seeking after the Lord, then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, "If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, you know, not part of your hearts, you know." Our problem today is our commitment to God is partial. You know? Our surrendering of our life to God is partial. You know? But God wants a complete surrendering, you know. All right? Then put away, right? If you want to return to the Lord, put away the foreign gods and the asteroid estorite from asteroids from among you and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, you know. And he will deliver you from the hands of the Philistines. So that the children of Israel they put away the Baals and the asteroids and served the Lord only. You know, right? So the Israelites now, after 20 years, you know, they started to mourn and they sincerely want to return to the Lord. And let God's presence be with them. You know, right? They got rid, you no, know? they got of their foreign gods. They got rid of uh, the Baals and the asteroids that Samuel named, you know. These are the two gods that trapped them, you know. Right? So the Israelites. They got rid of it and they begin to serve God only, you know. Now today, if you really want God's presence to come back to your life, your family and your local church, we must get rid of the asteroids and the Baals in our lives, you know. The asteroids are female goddesses of fertility, prosperity, you know. The Israelites sought the asteroids you know, for more children, more blessing, more prosperity instead of seeking after the living God, you know. It breaks the heart of God. God, show them I can give you anything, you know. Right? But they still refuse, you know. Right? So, instead of seeking their living God, they seek after Esther you know. Right? Now, in the New Testament, it's interesting, you know. Right? Jesus, during His time on earth, He has to deal with many Greek gods and goddesses, you know. But He didn't bother to name any of these gods and goddesses, that's so why you look at the New Testament, you don't talk about Esther or uh, all these other gods. You know. But Jesus took the trouble to name only one. That is the God of Mammon. You know. right. Money, you know, possession. Why? You know? Because he knows that Mammon has become the God of many lives, of many Christians today. Jesus Christ took the trouble To name this one idol that trapped many of us, and that's the love of money, you know, right? That trapped many Christians today with many harmful lusts. We don't have time to elaborate that, right? And you know, in the prosperity messages, why is it so popular in in modern churches today, you know, right? And prosperity messages has infiltrated into our church puppets, our programs, you know. We always feel that we are God's children. God is supposed to prosper us, give us so that we can expand his kingdom. You know? But the problem with this is it produces a generation of covetous, worldly Christians, you know. Right. That are materialistic and carnal, you know, right? A Christianity where there's no cause involved, you know. There's no surrendering involved, you know. Right. That's why today, even in the marketplace teaching, you know, right? Right. there's a lot of emphasis about going to conquer the seven mountains and praise God for that. You no, know? right there's a place for it. You no, know? we are to be to influence the seven mountains of society. You know, right? We all know about the seven mountains, right? Right. A marketplace teaching. You know, right? Right. We are put in a marketplace to be, to be relevant uh, rever- relevant to the people. You know? right? Now it sounds good, but at the end, all right, is it really? effective or not, no? right? Because many are hiding behind the marketplace ministry to cover up their greed, their covetousness, to make more money. You know? And I sometimes, when I had the opportunity to talk, talk to ministers who emphasise a lot of marketplace ministry, I would always encourage them. You know? I say, all these are so relevant. No? Right? But there's one missing link in that teaching, you know and that is the whole issue of holy living and righteous living. Right? If we don't live holy lives and righteous lives, we can be in a marketplace, conquering the entertainment industry, the business sector, the politics, or whatever. You know, right? Now, if we don't live holy lives, let me assure you, when we enter into it, you know, right, the, the marketplace ministry or, or the things that is happening in the world will overtake us. You know. Instead of we influencing the seven mountains, the seven mountains, the Ma- seven mountains influence us, you know. Right? Without their holy living, no, right? So I encourage them, no, not, not by way of judging anybody. Please remember, I'm not judging anybody. Right? I'm talking in the context of the reality of the end times we are living in. Right? And imagine money in the hands of men and women living righteously and blameless before God no, would be greatly used. You won't hoard your money, you know. You won't hoard your money in the name of stu- good stewardship, you know, right? Good stewardship of God's money means to be released for the ministry of God's kingdom. You know? So today, money is the god of our lives. You know? It's not Jesus Christ. You know? Because of the love of money, the love of Christ has turned cold. We, Christ is never the first place in our life. We have no time for God. We have no time for prayer. We have no time for Bible study. We have no time for spiritual intimacy. We have no time to take heed to the warnings and the judgment of God to come. You know? right. But when it comes to the things, when it comes to the things of God, there's no life in us. You know, right. we dread our feet. You know? We are so disinterested. That's why prayer meeting is so boring. No time for missions. No time to respond. We are so cold. We have no time, you know. Right. In my 32 years of ministry is very interesting. Whenever a pastor or any group organise uh, a conference that talks about blessings and prosperity, you know, the conferences are full. Right. But when they talk about counting the cost for Jesus Christ, only a handful will turn up, you know. Right. So when it comes to the activities and the entertainment, entertainments of the world, our hobbies, our movies, our holidays, our pleasures, our fun, or where to make more money, suddenly we all become alive, you know. We got time on, you know. Right? So this is real. These are things that God wants to address in our lives, you know. So we must deal with this whole issue. Let go, you know, of this God of mammon. You know? And let, let me assure you, when you do that, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you know, all the things that you are concerned about will be added to you. you know? All right, Praise the Lord. You know? The second thing, get rid of the Baals. You know? Now, the Hebrew word for Baal means masters and lords, you know. So, the Israelites got rid of the Baals, you know. They, don't, they didn't go back to their idols, their temples anymore, their physical idolatries anymore. You know? And this demon that master them and lord over their lives, control and put them in bondage, they are they're free from it, you know. So today, you may say you and I don't have idols in our our home, you know, right? We don't go to temples, you know, but we have many invincible idols in our life, right? The type of idols, your business, your career, your money, your hobbies, your, your TV series, you know, your movies, your pleasures, your computer games, your hours of senseless chatting and pornography and addiction, even our failures, our unforgiveness and slandering and gossiping, all these are idols in our life, you know. There's no such thing as no time. God asks us to redeem our time, you know, right? In this last day, you know. We say we got no time, you know, because we are caught up with so many idols in our lives, you know, right? Some of our people in the church, sometimes I will challenge them, right? Some of them don't like me, you know, right? So I challenge them. I say, you are wasting your time away, you know. Jesus talks about redeeming our time because the days are evil. But Pastor, we need to relax, you know. We, are, we watch only the Korean movies, you know. All right, and and every day two hours of the Korean movies, you know, and they say they got no time to worship God, you know, right? I say stop it, you know? you're deceiving yourself. You know, after watching two hours of Korean movies, you try to read the Word of God, see whether you can read or not, right? You try to pray, see whether you can pray or not, you know, right? And you say you got no time. What a lie, you know, right? You look at all the Facebooks today, right? You scroll and scroll and scroll. Right. A lot is about makan holiday here there, you know, right? By Christians, you know, right? Now, of course, nothing is wrong, you know, right? We cannot say it's wrong. Not say nothing is wrong. We cannot say it's wrong, right? It's legitimate, you know, right? But the question yeah. is, uh, right? Ninety-one percent of our Facebook, you take the trouble to scroll and see. Hardly there's a mention of God, you know, right? And we are not redeeming our time, you know. So if you're one of those that always post this, post that, you know, right? You swing from this mountain from left to right, right to left, uh, you put in the Facebook, uh, you're wasting your time, you know, right? Take that time and assault Christ, you know, right? You will be encouraged, others will be encouraged, you, know? you See, now I'm getting myself into trouble already, you know? right? So get rid, you know, right? Because in 2 Kings chapter 17, now it's not in the, in the thing, it just dawned on me about this scripture, you know, 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 40 to 41. You know, right? Now it says here, they would not listen however, but persisted in their former practices. You know. Even while these people were worshipping the Lord, you know, capital L, you know, L-O-R-D, they were serving their idols. You know, right? They were serving their idols. To this day, their children and grandchildren continue continued to do so as their ancestors did. You know. Now, it hits me, you know, when I read this. Imagine, the Israelites, they were worshipping their God now, with all their heart. Now. But at the same time, they were serving their idols. You know, right? Don't underestimate what is in your heart. Now. So, now the second condition is quickly, the, acknowledge the sin in our life. You know. First Samuel chapter 7, verse 5 to 6. It says, and Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So that they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord, and they fasted that day and said, there, we have sinned against the Lord. You see, finally they acknowledge, you know. We have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. So they drew water, they poured out before the Lord, they confessed their sin, we must confess our sin. No? Please don't justify away our sin. Please don't legitimize our sin, you know, and think that God is good all the time. God will forgive me. God knows my heart, you know? When I challenge people about the sin in their life, when I challenge men in the church when they are committing adultery, you know, I say, repent, right? They, they say, pastor, but you don't understand. I love God, you know, right? You don't understand. God knows my heart, you know right? You don't understand, pastor, I give a lot to the church, you know? I say, yeah, 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 God knows your heart, you no, know. Because God knows your heart, you better change your heart, you know. right. So they were very quiet. Right. We cannot let ourselves get away with our legitimate excuses, you know? Right. So deal with it, you know? Right? So they drew water and they pour it out before the Lord. Now the act talks about pouring our hearts to the Lord, confessing our sin, our wrong value, you know? Now when we have problems, we often find it easy to talk and pour our hearts to our pastors, to our counsellors, to our friends for hours, you know. You know all these counsellors, when we sit down with the counsellor, they can pour out their heart for hours, you know, right? But when I challenge them, why don't I teach you another method? You pour your heart to God, you know. Better what? Better than the pastor, you know. God has all the answers. Pastors don't, counselors don't have all the answers, you know, right? And they try, you know. After that, uh, next day they come back, Pastor, after I pour out my heart to God for 10 minutes, I don't know what to say to God anymore. why well, I say you talk, you pour out to us for hours, you pour out to God only 10 minutes. So okay, not cannot really, you know, Right? Something is amiss somewhere. Learn, you no? Know, train your children, right? Learn it yourself. Teach others, you know. We must come to a place, we must begin to learn, to pour out our heart to God Himself. You know. Why, you know? Because the time is coming, right, where the real final shaking takes place, right. You and I got no one to turn to to confess, right. You can cannot come and see me, right. Because I myself could be hiding somewhere, crying my heart out, right, grieving over what my sin or whatever. Right? I got no time to listen to your to your problem. Learn to pour out your heart to God Himself, you know, right. Now, the end result, the climax of this is in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 7 to 11. I'm sorry I'm reading a bit of scriptures because I need to connect the flow. You know? Alright? First, now it says here, Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel have gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. They want to attack Israel again. You know? And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Phil- Philistines, you know. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Don't cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. You know? And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him, you know. Right? Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offerings, right, especially the sin of the Israelites, right, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. You know? but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them, they, they were overcome before Israel. Another version says they run for their life, you know. Right? They run for their life, you know. So it's interesting here, the Israelites know it's their sinful lifestyles, you know. Right? They realise that God's presence has left them. Right? The two wars, the 4,000 who died, the 30,000 soldiers who were killed, gripped the whole nation. Right? And uh, and etc, etc. Then after 20 years of stubbornness, they mourned and sought after the Lord. They got rid of their idols and they began to serve God. They acknowledged their sin. They poured out their lives to God. And now the Philistines came to attack the Israelites. And the Israelites were afraid. They remembered all these things. And they cried out to Samuel and to God. And in verse 10, while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Lord... Thundered with such loud thunder against the Philistines, put them in great panic and flee for their lives. You know. Now it's interesting, in this war, not even one Israelite went into the battle. You know. Not even one, you know, right, went to the battle. The Lord fought for them, you know. The battle belongs to the Lord, you no. Know, right? We all like to sing the song, battle belongs to the Lord. You know? But there are conditions to that, you know. Right. Right. There, so the presence of God came back to them, you know, right? Why? Because the conditions of their hearts was made right, you know. Right. It was not their sacrifices. It was not what they give to God. It was not even in their daily doing, but they are living, you know. They understood this. They repent and they make right with God and God came, came in. You want God back in your life. you know. You want God back in your family, you know. You want God back in all the local churches, you know, right? There's no option. You know. There's no shortcuts. You know, right? We can shout and scream all we want how awesome God is. It's not going to work. Right? It's about us. Will we return to God wholeheartedly? You know? And the conclusion is this: you know, Right, like what King David said, "Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life." You know, right. I like the word "follow." You know? The word follow means run after you. Right? Goodness and mercy will run after you when you purpose to walk holy and righteous before God. Right? Well, many people, many Christians say, it's, uh, but pastor, we are all work in progress. You know, right? I say it's true. We are all work in progress. You know? But after 10 years, 20 years, you're still telling me the same thing would in progress. Something is wrong, you know. Right? So let us be serious, you know. Surely goodness and mercy will run after you, you know. right? Another version says it will chase after you, you know. Right. It will hunt after you, like treasure hunt, right? Goodness and mercy will hunt for you wherever you go, right? Goodness and mercy will hunt for you, you know. Right? will pursue after you, will wrestle it out, down on you. The word follow has got so many multiple meanings in Hebrew. You know? It will wrestle it down on you. you know? Goodness and mercy will wrestle it down on you. Even you tell God, God, enough, enough, enough. God will still wrestle it down on you. you know? That is the sovereignty of our God. You know? The overflowing blessings, the anointing of God. You know? The true anointing that finally comes, you know, out of our righteous living. You know? yeah. All right. In your life, your living, you no. Know, Will house God's presence and it will threaten the demonic kingdom. You, know, right? you try to confront this nation, this nation that's full of darkness, right? With what we are doing, you can be assured nothing is gonna happen. It will get worse, you know. How can darkness confront darkness, you know? Right? Unless we are filled with the light of Christ in us, transform and let the light of Christ shine in us and through us, we are not gonna make any difference, you know and we can have access you know we shall fear no evil we shall fear no death you know and we have access you know to one you know, to the king to the economy of heaven you know, right we have access to the economy of heaven we have access to the rule of god we have access to the government of god the kingdom of god working in us you know the kingdom of god righteousness peace and joy will follow us you know we We will rise up in the midst of all the darkness and we will walk through the darkness, you know. Just like uh, Daniel, you know, he was thrown into the lion's den. He walked through that lion, you know, right? And he came out of it victorious. Daniel's three friends was thrown into the fiery furnace, you know. God didn't say the fiery furnace will not come to your life, you know. You see, even when you come, I'll be there with you, you know, right? The fiery furnace where Christ is in the midst of the three friends, you know, right? And one last illustration. I like this illustration of uh, Richard Wimbrun. I think many of you have heard of him. You know, right? He's a man that has suffered much under the hands of the uh, iron curtain. You know, right? He he preached the gospel. He does many, and he was thrown into prison for twenty over years. You know, in a prison where it's full of feces and crocodiles and all this. You know, right? They got no worship team there to cheer him. You know. No counselors to encourage him, you know. Right? But 20 years, in the midst of the severe darkness, he know what it means to commune with God. You know? Oh, it's powerful, you know? Right. So to cut the story short, he came out after some years. He was released, and it, we modern church like to get people like them to come and testify. You know? Right? Powerful testimony, you know? right? So he came, and there are many ministers of God, thousand more ministers of God came to listen to him. You know? So, during the time of high praise and worship, you know, worship team, please remember, I'm not talking about any one of you, okay? Okay? Right, settled, huh? Now, in the high praise, you know, right? The thousand old ministers of God, you no, know, not even just ordinary members, they were jumping in high praise and jumping around how awesome God is, you know, right? And they all have a wonderful time, you know, right? And in a wonderful time, right? Towards the end, they introduce him to come to the stage. You know, right? And you don't like what he's going to say, you know. Right? He stands up there and he says, the presence of God is not here. You know? Imagine you and I have been jumping for one whole hour. You know? <laughs> High praise, you know. Right? He said, the presence of God is not here. Now let us all rise up and invite the presence of God to come. And when he did that, you know, the presence of God came, you know? He opened his mouth. The presence of God came, you know. And suddenly, the thousand were ministers of God, many of them were prostrate before God, repenting of their sin. Some were kneeling down, repenting of their sin. Right. And then he shared a word. Right. Because this man, he knows his God. Do you and I really know our God? So we are preparing ourselves you know, right, for an authentic revival that at the end, all the people groups in our nation will come into the kingdom of God. Are you ready? I want to give you a short moment in a minute or two just to make a very, very short altar call. Would you respond to God and say, Lord, I'm willing to respond myself to God. Can I get a worship team to sing that song? Now, Is there any possibility we sing without the music? I thought it would be good that we just sing the word, right? We hear our word clearly and we let the Spirit of God speak to us. The last song you know, about God. Right? Now as we sing this song, I want to encourage you. you know, right? Now this is serious. You know? We don't have much time left. You know? Now time is short. Eternity is long. Make use of this short time. Redeem our time. Redeem our life. Surrender our life to God. You know? And you will see what He can do in you and through you. Right. You're going to make a difference. And everywhere you go, people will see Christ in you. Okay. And they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Miracles, signs, wonders will happen. You know? The Holy Spirit is the administrator of the nine gifts that the Bible talks about. Right? He's the administrator of the nine gifts. you know, And He will impart to you the giftings to do His work. You know? No more. You know? No more we just. Right, have to organize a prophetic conference to teach people how to prophesy, you know? to teach people how to heal the sick, you know, right? and etc. You know? it's about you and I get right with God. You now, right, the presence of God come back to your life, and the Holy Spirit Himself, the Administrator of the gifts, you know, will give it to you, and you will move forward, and you will bring many into the kingdom of God. You know? So, as we sing this song, right, I just want to encourage you, right. If the Lord has challenged you, you may want to stand where you are as a commitment unto the Lord as you sing this song. Thank you. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.